Rich Community Church, Pastor Allen here. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Valentine's Day. And is that, can that give you a hint of what we will be talking about today? Yep, that's right. We are going to be talking about love. And let me begin by asking you a question. What do you think love is? What does someone mean when they say, I love you? Many of us are familiar with love, but so often we tend to love in the abstract, meaning that our love exists only in thought or idea. It does not have a physical or concrete existence. We love, but when it comes right down to it, we don't want to get too close. In the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 3.18, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So what is love? Is love a type of love that expresses or shows how much we may love other things, such as sports or activities? For instance, I love football, I love basketball, I love soccer, I love the gym, I love watching Netflix, I love Amazon Prime. Is that what love is? True love and the love I am referring to is the one found in the Bible. And we know that God loves us. The the whole book is the greatest love story ever written. We know that in our minds, but often we don't live that way. Often we don't love that way. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, Do I live and love in a way I am commanded to? In a way the Bible tells us so. So what does biblical love look like? As Christians, we know that our relationships everywhere need to be marked by love. Husbands must love their wives. Wives must love their husbands. Parents and children, brothers and sisters, friends and co-workers must love one another. But how do we know what such love looks like in our everyday life? And to find that out, I'd like to give us a reminder into the most eloquent and profound words ever written on the subject of love. You probably know which verse I'm referring to, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's famous chapter on love. At the time Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthian church, they were emphasizing a good thing, spiritual gifts. Though they were failing to look after the best, they were using their gifts apart from love. Paul makes the point that the use of their God-given gifts would amount to nothing if the Corinthians did not make love their priority. So as a good reminder, let us read 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be buried, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of this is love. In verses 1 to 3, Paul shows the preeminence of love. That love is greater than, uh, than all spiritual gifts because without love, gifts are empty. In verses 4 to 7, he shows the practice of love. How love is greater than all spiritual gifts because of its selfless characteristics. In verses 8 to 13, he shows the permanence of love. That love is greater than all spiritual gifts because it outlasts them all. And we are going to focus mainly on verses 4 to 7 where Paul, where Paul describes how love acts. While in English, most of these words describe what love is. In Greek, the language in which Paul wrote his letter, these words are verbs. Love is not talk. Love is action. So as, as we hear these verses and as we sit and, and listen, I know that sometimes we may tend to apply them to others. Your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your kids, friends, co-workers. So as we are reminded of these verses, I am going to ask you, that you put aside any person you may have in mind and ask God to apply these verses solely to you. In verses 4 to 7, Paul enumerates 15 characteristics of love to show how love acts or what it looks like in our everyday life. Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death on the cross is the epitome and embodiment of this kind of love and nothing that you can ever do or nothing that can anyone ever do for you can remotely come close to the expression of love He showed us. And with that in mind, let's look briefly at each characteristic. Love is patient. And every time I, I read this verse, uh, I'm certainly often remind, it reminds me and it confronts me in my failure at the moments that I should be patient. I love being patient until I have to be. 
when we don't need patience, we want it, we pray for patience and pray for patience and pray for patience and expect to miraculously become patient without knowing the reality that, that God will put us in situations to build up our patience. It's when things start to irritate or frustrate us that we need patience. But usually at that point, we don't want to be patient. So if you're patient, you're slow to anger. You endure personal wrongs without retaliating. You bear with others' imperfections, faults, and differences. You give them time to change and room to make mistakes without coming down hard on them. And do you do that with your husband? Do you do that with your wife? Do you do that with your children, siblings, co-workers? Love is kind. Love is patient, I'm sorry. Now we're going to move to the second characteristic. Love is kind. Being kind is patience in action. A kind person is disposed to be helpful. They seek out needs and look for opportunities to meet those needs without repayment. They are tender and forgiven when wronged. The word suggests a person who is gentle, who has an ability to soothe hurt feelings, to calm an upset person, to help quietly in practical ways. The kind person shows kindness in response to harsh treatment. Though many times being kind is not going to be pleasant. In fact, it may feel more like a blow to the head. And, and you know, many times we equate being kind to weakness. When people give us harsh treatment, one of the first things many of us want to do is to retaliate. But I can imagine the Lord responding, I saw what they did to you, but I have not called you to be like everyone else. Now quit your fussing and begin to live a life worthy of your call. Jesus said, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Luke chapter 6 Verses 33 to 35. And this, this type of kindness has the power to motivate others towards positive change. Love is not macho. Love is not weak. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. The word can mean to eagerly desire. The negativity of jealousy is related to coveting, greed, and selfishness. The jealous person wants what others have. They want things for themselves. They are too selfish to applaud others' success. They have to have all the attention. The jealous person has a hard time recognizing others' abilities and contributions. They want it all for themselves. James says that jealousy is often the source of quarrels and conflicts. James 4.2 says, You desire but do not have, so you kill. 
you covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask God love does not brag and is not arrogant these two are related they both stem from selfishness and are the flip side of jealousy a pastor said jealousy is wanting what someone else has bragging is trying to make others jealous of what we have. Jealousy puts others down and bragging builds us up. Bragging is an outward manifestation of pride. The bragger tries to impress others of his or her great accomplishments in order to make themselves look good. But love isn't trying to build up me. I wasn't made for me. Love is trying to build up the other person. And, you know, maybe because of our lack of identity in the Lord, because of our insecurities or our lack, our lack of trust in Him, we want others to be impressed by us. But love is humble. A humble, loving person is aware that everything he or she has is an undeserved gift from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For who concedes you any superiority? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not? Love doesn't boast, but thankfully uses what God has given them to serve others. Love is not inappropriate. Another version says it is not rude. And it is tough to not say it inappropriate or things. At times I try to be nice as much as I can. But sometimes my mouth just does not cooperate. Love does not offend. To offend somebody is unnecessary because it's avoidable. Love has good manners. It is courteous, polite, sensitive to, to the feelings of others and always uses tact. And the reason we are not courteous, of course, is because we are thinking only of ourselves and not of others. Love does not seek its own. Love is not selfish. It does not demand its rights. Alan Redpath, a very well-known British evangelist, said, The secret of every discord in Christian homes, communities, and churches is that we seek our own way and our own glory. And selfishness might be the root problem of the human race. It is the antithesis of love because love is self-sacrificing. Elizabeth Elder, a Christian author, was once speaking on this subject to an audience that included some young, ch some young children who were sitting right in front of her. As she spoke, she wondered how she could make this plain to them so that they could apply it. Later, she got a, a letter from one of those children, a six-year-old boy who wrote, I am learning to lay down my life for my little sister. She has to take a nap in the afternoon. I don't have to take a nap. 
but she can't go to sleep unless I come and lay down beside her. So I lay down with my little sister. That boy is learning to love. If, if only as Christians we would apply this verse as that little boy did, our homes would be free of conflict and an honor to Jesus Christ who did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45 Love is not easily angered. Love does not have a, a hair trigger temper. Some people make everyone around them walk on eggshells. They're easily offended. One little thing that doesn't go their way and everything goes south. They use their temper to intimidate others and to punish others. And simply put, when, when you're angry, usually you're not loving. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. This is sort of an accounting characteristic. It almost uses a numerical calculation. We sometimes take into account and keep tabs of the wrong we have experienced. And the way God uses it is by not imputing guilt to us, but instead He inputs the righteousness of Christ into account. No matter how many times we do wrong over and over and over again, God only needs to see Christ once for all the wrongs to be forgiven before and after. Romans chapter 4 verses 7 through 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will never count sin. Love doesn't keep a tally of, of wrongs or, or bears a grudge until everyone's paid for. It doesn't try to gain the upper hand by reminding the other person of past wrongs over and over and over and over again. Love forgives. The next characteristic is love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. These qualities mirror each other. Love is never glad when others are wrong. Though to rejoice in the truth does not mean to rejoice only when people is right. To rejoice in the truth means to be glad about behavior in accordance with the truth of God's word. If someone you don't like falls into sin, you don't take pleasure over their, their misfortunes because God is grieved over sin. If they repent, you rejoice. Although love is kind and overlooks the faults of others, it does not compromise the truth or takes a soft view of sin. To allow another person to go on in sin, whether it is known or hidden, is not to seek their best. It's not love. <clears throat> love will sensitively confront and correct precisely because it cares deeply and knows that, sins that sin destroys. Love rejoices with the truth. Love gets excited when he hears of spiritual victories. Love encourages us by expressing joy over evidences of growth, even if they are small. The Apostle John wrote in 3 John 4, 
I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. Love bears all things. Another translation says, love protects all things. I saw that in Greek, the word means to cover. Love covers. Love protects. It covers. It protects with silence. Meaning that love doesn't broadcast the, the problems of others. Love doesn't run down others with jokes, sarcasms, or put-downs. Love defends the character of the other person as much as possible within the limits of truth. <clears throat> love won't lie about a weakness, but neither will it deliberately expose and emphasize them. Love protects. Love believes all things. Another translation says, love always trusts. This does not mean gullibility, the quality of believing things too quickly or being easily tricked. But it does mean that love is not suspicious and doubting of the other person's character and motives without good reason, even if their actions offend you. If trust has been broken, then it needs to be earned again step by step. But love believes the other person is innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. If there is a problem, love doesn't jump immediately to blame the other person. Sometimes, however, you will get ripped off when, when you trust. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I've experienced broken trust and I've broken someone's trust over and over again. But love persists in trusting and believing. <clears throat> love hopes all things. It is not pessimistic. It does not expect for things to always fail but to succeed. Love refuses to take failure as final. It exudes godly optimism even in the most dire of circumstances does not ignore the reality that problems everywhere exist, but it rests on the promises of God that He is working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so love always hopes. And as with all these qualities, our source comes only from our Savior and His Word. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times, was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Love endures all things. Webster's Dictionary defines the word endure as suffer something painful or difficult patiently. It has the idea of holding up under trial, of perseverance in spite of difficulties. It means that love hangs in there. It is not just a passive, stoic attitude, meaning that it is not just a person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or, or complaining, but it is a positive, triumphant spirit that sticks it out. 
And the reality is that as, as Christians, sometimes we may struggle with this. We run into problems or disagreements into our relationships, grow tired of the effort and bail out. We find ourselves in a tough season or a period of time and run away the other direction rather than enduring. And I don't know what situation you might be in or will be. I'm not minimizing the seriousness of any given circumstance. It is not an easy task to work through problems at home, with relationships, with an illness, with family members, with addictions, with the loss of a loved one, or with the attacks and distractions of this world. But God's best is to resist and fight right through the storm. Not to live for our own good. Matthew 10.22 says, You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Love endures all things. This is how love acts. It is selfless, wholly directed to building the other person. But of course, nobody can love like this all the time. Only God in His perfection is capable of such selfless love. Put He in verses 4 to 7 instead of love and you have a description of Jesus. He is patient. He is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. However, as imperfect as we may be, we are still called to love one another. First John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been fathered by God and knows God. Someone said, you know, love at first sight is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. But that miracle is the result of yielding to God and repeatedly confronting our selfishness and daily practicing biblical love with each other. And, you know, throughout life we, we learn some interesting things. It's not that our troubles are so different from what people who are not in the faith experience. Life is life. God's grace falls on the just and unjust alike. Our pains and struggles are quite similar. But it is our response that's different. It is the way in which we live, the way in which we love, that this broken world and everyone in it can use as tangible evidence for the one who we represent and for the one 
who resides in us. So are you living, are you loving in a manner worthy of your call? Someone said that if we discovered we only had five minutes left to say all we wanted to say, every telephone will be occupied by people calling other people to say how much they love them. Selfless love is of the utmost importance. The next chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 begins with the words, Let love be your highest goal. Without neglecting the other spiritual gifts, but let love be your highest goal. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today, Lord. Father, as, as we continue to wake up every morning, as we continue to do life every morning, Lord, I pray that you burden our hearts with all these characteristics of love. And as the process of sanctification con- continues to happen, as we become more like Christ, I pray that you give us the strength. I pray that you give us the joy. I pray that you give us the hope of going through those things, Lord. To show this dark world your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us, Rich. If you have any prayer requests or anything else, if you want to stay connected some way, somehow, you can send us a question. You can send us some prayer requests at info at richcommunitychurch.com. Have a nice day.